0: This vicious persecution is a travesty of justice. Biden is trying to jail his leading political opponent, an opponent that's beating him by a lot in the polls, just like they do in Stalinist Russia or Communist China. No different.
1: Later today, former U.S. President Donald Trump will be arraigned at a Miami courthouse, on charges related to the mishandling of hundreds of classified documents. This will be the second time he's appeared in front of a judge as a criminal defendant this year. In April, he was arraigned over his involvement in the Stormy Daniels hush money case. He got out of the car and defiantly waved to some of his supporters as he went into the courtroom. You would think he was arriving at a a campaign visit, but in fact, as soon as he entered that building, he was officially under arrest. Trump isn't letting his legal troubles get in the way of what he wants. He's still got the White House very much in his sights.
0: And on November 5th, 2024, we're going to stand up to the corrupt political establishment. We're going to evict a totally corrupt president, Joe Biden, from the White House. And we're going to finish the job that we started, the most successful presidency.
1: This is In the News from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, I'll be speaking with Irish Times Washington correspondent Martin Wall about the fresh charges Trump is facing and what it means for his 2024 presidential campaign. Martin, you're in Miami and you'll be heading over to the federal courthouse later today for Trump's arraignment. What will be happening inside the court today?
2: Basically, Donald Trump will be brought to court, he will surrender himself to authorities, he will be photographed, he will be fingerprinted. I don't think in this case, but in other cases, people are actually handcuffed. They are then brought before a judge, the charges against them are read out, they are given an opportunity to plead, and at that point we expect the process will be adjourned for a further hearing at a later date. They may give details of the date of the substantive hearing of a trial, or they may defer that to be determined at a subsequent hearing. But what will happen will be is that Donald Trump, the 45th President of the United States, will for the second time in a couple of months, will be brought before the judge and be essentially have charges read to him. And then at some point down the road, that case will go to trial.
1: And do you expect supporters to be outside the courtroom when you rock up there today?
2: Well, certainly Mr. Trump has urged his supporters Last Friday, he posted a a message on his social media platform saying, See you in Miami. Some of his supporters, some of his political supporters, have already indicated that they are actually intending to to travel to Miami. Obviously, we'll have to wait and see. There are reports in the U.S. media of people planning to attend, suggestions that some uh, right-wing militia groups may attend, There's also suggestions that there will be people who don't like Donald Trump. There'll be counter protesters. Now, we had the same scenario in New York in April when uh, Mr. Trump was uh, arraigned on state charges in relation to hush money payments to uh, Stormy Daniels. On that day in New York, there were supporters and there were opponents of Mr. Trump outside the, the courthouse. New York is very different to Florida. New York is largely a democratic town. Florida is increasingly a Republican location and it will be interesting to see. We'll have to wait and see who turns up on the day.
1: So Trump broke the story last Thursday that he was going to be indicted on federal charges in Miami today. Um, and then the following day on Friday, we heard what the charges are. What are the most serious serious of these charges?
2: the The US federal government has accused him of 37 charges. 31 of those are for willful retention of national security documents. And that includes details of the U.S. nuclear program, details of where they saw themselves vulnerabilities uh, and the vulnerabilities of their allies, of some allies, to attacks by foreign powers and plans for retaliation that the United States and others could take in the event of any military attack. This was, in essence, the crown jewels of secrets of the United States because, you know, you can imagine that vulnerabilities is something that the potential adversary of the United States would like to have a look at. So there's other charges in relation to conspiracy, to obstruction of justice. But in terms of the the really headline pieces, Donald Trump took unlawfully from the possession of the, the federal government details of some of its most uh, closely guarded secrets. They ended up in boxes, in storerooms, in Mar-a-Lago, in his his estate in Florida.
1: So these are very serious charges and federal charges. So I'm assuming they carry, if he's convicted, they carry a severe sentence.
2: Assuming, uh, now this is not going to happen, but let's play it out just for the sake of it. If the maximum sentence, if he's found guilty and received the maximum sentence on all of the charges that he is actually facing, he would be in jail for an excess of four hundred years. Okay, <laughs> that's how serious these charges are. So this this is this is very very serious. And given his age, the reality, even the, at the very lower end of that, the possibility would be that he would spend the rest of his life in jail. Bear in mind, Mr. Mr. Trump is seventy seven years old. Later this week
1: and i suppose it's worth saying just at this point for anybody who who haven't seen any of of the pictures of of the documents this wasn't a case of a fella leaving his job with a few notes in his briefcase with a, a sheaf of folders it's totally different the documents are of an extraordinary scale the volume of them
2: this is like this is like somebody moving house um and, you know, we've all probably moved from location to location where we had cardboard boxes and we had uh, various things in it. There were dozens and dozens of boxes and intermingled between there, uh, there there were personal mementos, there were photographs, there were personal letters, there were clippings of newspaper um, articles. And intermingled among those were these secret documents. And when they arrived in Mar-a-Lago in his estate uh, in near West Palm Beach, they were stored on the the stage. And the Mar-a-Lago was a club. It's, a, it's, not, it's not just a house. It's a, it's, like a, it's a big a social, country club kind of thing. It's like a big country club that does weddings and functions and whatever else. And on, it has a ballroom. And on the stage and the ballroom were all these boxes, including these secret documents. They were then moved from there into other parts. There was a kind of move movement around the, the, the property. At one point, they were in a shower room next to a toilet. another point, they were in a storeroom. So they were they were moved around from place to place, and the allegation of the government of the U.S. government is is that they realised the national archives in the U.S. realised that there were documents missing. They went looking for them, and they the allegation is is that Mr. Trump for over a year played a game essentially of cat and mouse with the government, suggested to his lawyers that they didn't really have to answer it all, got staff to move them around. On one occasion, allegedly suggested to his lawyer that the lawyer take this material to his hotel room and pluck out all the bad ones and hide them and whatever. So basically, that's the second part of the, of the charges that he's facing. The first part is retaining the documents. The second part is, is basically obstructing the government when they sought to get them back. His arguments, on the other hand, is that there's a, he was entitled to keep them he also maintains that, or his supporters maintain, and he has maintained, although this has not been argued in in court, which may become quite interesting, is that he declassified them. The president has the ultimate power to declassify all documents. And he famously maintained that he he could declassify these documents even by thinking about it and not actually articulating it to anybody.
0: You had said on Truth Social a number of times, you did de- declassify. I did declassify, yes. Okay. Is there a process? What was your process to declassify? It doesn't have to be a process, as right. I understand it. You know, there's different people say different right. things, but as I understand, there doesn't have to be. If you're the president of the United States, you can declassify just by saying um, it's declassified. Even by thinking about it, you're the president. You make that decision.
2: If you think about this, this, as I say, is the most sensitive element of the United States government. Uh, their, 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 their vulnerabilities, their nuclear programs, what they know about allies. Is it, is it credible that somebody would have the power to declassify that? And bear in mind, when, you, when something is declassified, it becomes available potentially under the US Freedom of Information Act. Newspapers can look for it and whatever, the public can access it. So how credible is it, question mark, that anyone could declassify the most sensitive nuclear secrets of the US government just by thinking about it? and not telling anybody. Although I stress, that argument about declassifying material by thinking about it has been articulated by Mr. Trump in media interviews, but his lawyers have not pleaded that in court, as of yet. So
1: he's had these documents in these boxes. Do we know, did he show any documents to anybody? Is there any evidence of that?
2: Yeah, the indictment basically maintains that there were two episodes in which material was actually shown to others. One related to a, what's been, it's kind of vaguely described as a confidential map, a military map, was shown to, allegedly shown to somebody who is an individual without security clearances, who basically worked for one of his, um, for his private fundraising committee. The second one is more interesting. It's that um, there was an incident, allegedly, in 2021. This would be six months, seven months after he had left office. And he was in his golf club in in Bedminster, New Jersey. And a, there were ghostwriters who were writing or ghosting the autobiography of his then of his former chief of staff uh, mark meadows and they were in the room and they became the conversation came around to a something that was in the news that day that trump had been allegedly had a row with the top military officer in the in the us government a man called mark milley he's the, the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff and that there was some issue in relation to that milley had been concerned that after he was defeated and after around January the 6th and all the allegations of attempted uh, coups and whatever, that Trump would try to launch a military strike on potentially Iran. And Trump was allegedly very annoyed about this, told these uh, ghostwriters that, look, I have some documents here. These are secret documents. This is what they were looking for me to do and allegedly showed them a, what's called a plan of attack that was drawn up by the Pentagon for how the United States could attack Iran.
1: So that couldn't be more serious.
2: The issue is, there's an audio tape with him saying these things. There's papers being rustled. It doesn't necessarily prove definitively that he was actually showing them a plan. As it was record- somebody said here, he could have been waving the menu for dinner. You can hear a rustle sure. of papers. But if you look at it from a logical point of view, if I say to you on audio look at this
1: and then there's a Russell it
2: generally yeah. it and then there's a Russell you generally means that you're showing somebody something sure now he also in the tape maintains this is confidential or secret information I could have classified it when I was in power but I can't now which would appear to undermine any argument that I declassified everything even by. Sure. Thinking and he
1: understood it. then classification and declassification yeah okay and
2: the rules that pertained to that
1: I'll be back with Martin Wall in Miami after this short break. Now, Trump has got his defence in first, if you like, because he's saying that, you know, current President Joe Biden, he also took documents when he left office as, as vice president. Mike Pence took documents. And that he's claiming that he, that this, this case, this indictment, it's a political act. It's the Democrats coming after him. How has that been received?
2: It depends on what part of the political divide you sit in the United States. Each side will look at and mm. will support their own. So, Republicans... Have Trump has claimed it's a vendetta, it's a witch hunt, it's a, he's been politically persecuted.
0: They've launched one hoax and witch hunt after another to try and stop our movement and thwart the will of the American people. Witch hunt, witch hunt, scam, hoax. It's called election interference and they're doing the best they can with it.
2: And he has basically been endorsed by that by many of the leading figures in the United States Republican Party who maintain that it's only in, at the phrase being used as banana republics, in third world dictatorships, where we have leaders in power seek to lock up their opponents. That's the argument. Now, it doesn't get over mm. the, f- and we have a whole lot of whataboutery, as we know enough about what whataboutery in Ireland, in relation to <laughs> what about Hillary Clinton? What about Hillary Clinton's emails? Yeah. What about Joe Biden's son, who is has been, is under investigation for allegations of uh, corruption. What about Joe Biden's documents? What about Bill Clinton did an interview with an academic? The tape of it was found in Bill Clinton's, uh, among his socks in his drawers, in his socks drawer. Mm -hmm. And so Bill Clinton's sock drawer has become into, into the mix as well. So it's basically, what about, what about such a body? What about this person? What about that person? All of those arguments are thrown up rather than dealing with the substantive issue. Now, interestingly, Uh, Donald Trump's former Attorney General, a man called Bill Barr, who would have defended him right the way through the whole Mueller process in relation to it, yesterday went on TV in the United States, and basically said, no, if this is true, this is really serious. He was totally wrong uh, that he had the right to have those documents. Those documents are among the most
0: sensitive secrets that the country has.
2: The other part where it's notable is that there is silence from the very top of the Republican Senate leadership. The Republican leader in the Senate, a man called Mitch McConnell, nothing, not a word. So, you know, it remains to be seen as to where this will play out. In 2024, it's not potentially only Donald Trump who will be on the ballot, but every single Republican in the House of Representatives is up for election. And one third of the Senate are up for election. So people who are up for election in 2024 would probably have a decision to make or in themselves is Will all this Trump stuff in the background, will it help me personally or will it drag me down? And they will have to make that decision because, you know, as we said at the start of this interview, Trump is also facing, we know on the 25th of March next year, Trump will be in a courtroom in Manhattan facing potential jail over the Stormy Daniels case. We will have a date set at some point for this particular case that will have to be set presumably Before the summer of next year, because realistically, I don't think it'll either happen by the summer, early summer of next year, or it won't happen until after the election. I don't really envisage you could have a situation where the person who may be the candidate could be on potential criminal charges the week before the election. So I think there would have to be, it'll give it some space.
1: But at the same time, Martin, I mean, that's 2024 and March, let's say you say he's going to be in New York in court in March on those state charges, then these federal charges might come before next summer. That's going to be right in the middle of the campaigning. And he is the Republican frontrunner right now, by far.
2: But we also have to bear in mind, we're only potentially halfway through these indictments. He is, there are there are further investigations in relation to Mr. Trump coming down the line in relation to attempts to overturn the election in 2020. Events lead, led up to the January the 6th attack on the capital in the United States by his supporters. The, 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 the same man who carried out the investigation into the, the classified charges, a special counsel with the name of Jack Smith, is also investigating that at federal level. And then in Georgia, uh, in the state of Georgia, there is another investigation being carried out by a district attorney uh, in relation to, we may remember the famous phone call uh, to the officials of Georgia, Can you find me 11,000 votes to allow me to win, essentially? We may have details of that in the first week in August. So potentially, we we know he's facing, he's been indicted twice. There is a potential that he could be indicted four times on four different issues, all before the election next year. Is that likely to hinder the prospect of the Republican Party not only winning the White House, but also uh, winning back control of the Senate? Retaining the very slim hold on the United States House of Representatives. That, do they retain that? Could they win back the Senate? So all of those calculations, political calculations, will have to come into the, into the mix.
0: The documents, whole thing is a witch hunt. It's a disgrace. It should never happen. It's hurting our country. Joe Biden has 1,850 boxes of documents. He's got documents in Chinatown. He's got documents at Penn. Uh, He doesn't want anybody to get him. It's a disgrace what's happening.
2: There there is an argument that the whole classifications issue and the president's leaving with documents really needs to be looked at and be properly because we've had, as I say, Trump is not wrong in pointing to Joe Biden. There were documents Mm. found in Joe Biden's house. There were documents found in in an office complex. There were documents found in Mike Pence's house. Legal experts in the United States maintain, well, there are differences because, okay, if, if, if by happenstance, somebody, a staff member, puts a wrong document in a wrong box and then you find it, well, then you ring up the FBI and you say, look, come and collect this, come, and get, come it. get it. You don't spend mm. a year trying to hide it. That's the difference. Yeah. And that comes sure. into the issue of the answer, the, the question that nobody knows and no one has any answer to, is why did you do it?
1: That is exactly what I was just about to ask you, Martin. Is it some sort of like power flex Like a Trumpian power flex. I have all the, I can show you this over dinner. Or is it something more sinister? Like
2: You you could probably hold a, a scientific conference into the mind of Donald Trump as to why he does things and why he doesn't do them. Because in many ways, in a lot of ways, he's his own worst enemy. He tramples over his own message on a consistent basis. When the government came knocking at this door and said, give us back these documents. If the documents had been handed back, we probably would have heard another word about this. It was the actual attempt, the the arguments backwards and forwards, the allegations of duck buck, boxes being moved around and not giving them everything and holding on to things. I think that what irritated the the Department of Justice in the United States and the National Archives to a degree that they they pursue this as, as much as they could. Why he did this, we don't know. There you know, there is no evidence in the charges. None that these were for the purpose of selling them or to profit from them or to give them away or there is no no evidence in the, in the charges at all in relation to that. Coming from the charges, it would appear to be that they were part of mementos, they were part of trinkets from the office that he received and that, you know, we may leave our own jobs and take an Irish Times mug with us summer leaving take or whatever, the stapler, or yeah. the stapler or whatever yeah. <laughs> else. But you, you don't take the, the company's secret files for the next five years and take them away with you. But the, the issue maybe also as well is that we know Trump is very argumentative. We know he likes fighting and arguing and fighting with people. And again, there's, there's any number of feuds that he's involved in at any particular time with various people. And in the incidents of the, the, the Mark Milley case, for example, in 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 the Bedminster, according to the charges, it was basically having this material to be able to say in an argument, look, here's something that I can prove my argument.
1: I'm right. I'm right.
2: And this Mm. document proves I'm right. And was it that? But as I say, we could talk for days in relation to trying to work out the mindset of why Donald Trump does various things. There is no definitive answer. Maybe in court, he may say, but even if he said it in court, would it necessarily be the, the full story? So why he did this? I don't think we'll probably ever get to the bottom of. It'll come down to these documents were there. Did he declassify them? Did he have authority to declassify them? Did he have authority to retain them in the first place?
1: Well, Martin, I look forward to reading your reports from the Miami courtroom later on today. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talk to you soon. Thank you. That's it for today. For more coverage of the Trump case from Martin Wall, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by Suzanne Brennan. In the news, we'll be back tomorrow.
0: I will never be deterred. I will never stop fighting for you. I didn't need this. I had a great life.